0: Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource for all things Husky related and panic meter related. We're going to get into all the struggles, all the issues, and everything around uh, the Huskies hockey team. Weldy here, sitting with Andrew, and uh, let's just dive right into it. If you were to be on a scale, DEFCON scale, panic meter scale, I don't, I don't know what you want to call it.
1: Where are you right now? I think we've used a one out of 10 scale earlier in the year, maybe at the end of the first half or maybe the, maybe the Western series. I I can't remember. I think I had like five out of 10 at that point. I put it at about maybe seven right now. I think this week will be a big test at the end of it. It could be either back at four or up to nine based on how it goes. So I think this is a big week. How is your, what's your panic meter look like? (laughs) It's,
0: it's, it's creeping up there. (laughs) It it definitely is creeping up there. And I'm usually the more, I don't know, level headed, calm one. You're the emotional one. That's why our podcast works so well. Correct. Uh, And it's, it's more so on how, and we'll get into this Denver series. And it's not necessarily that we're losing. It's how we're losing is that it's, is really, really concerning to me. So uh, let's let's talk about uh, the massacre at Magnus um, is what I'm going to call it. And just because I thought of it right now and I kind of like it. So St. Cloud loses the first game uh, eight to five and then loses the second game to nothing. Because, of course, when one game is a high scoring affair, your second one has to be a huge pendulum swing the other way. Kind of like the Bond movies. You know, you've got the James Bond, you got the the wacky end of the end of the movie in a clown suit <laughs> and and then you swing the pendulum to to Timothy Dalton and a, a lot more of the grittier type uh grittier bond. and that's kind of how college hockey is in these weekend series sometimes.
1: yeah, uh, and the last the last two weeks have it's it's reminded me of another. Sports. Yeah, st- stick with me because I'm going off hockey. I'm staying in sports, so I'm, but I'm going off hockey for a bit. But the last two weekends have Ooh. have reminded me of the Garden Hire era twins in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> or really the tw- just twins in the playoffs in general. I would say it, specifically the, uh, the last Dakota game and then the first Denver game. What are the Twins at now for a losing streak in the playoffs, 18? I think about at least 10 or 12 of them, they had the fir- they they got the they got a lead. They got this first run of the game and then pissed it down their leg. And those were kind of the those two results, the Dakota tie and then the 8-5 loss to Denver, 3-nothing lead in the Denver game that they pissed away. But really all four of them are, it, it runs the gamut uh, and this is really the Twins in the playoffs as, uh, comparison is that Twins in the playoffs 18 straight games. I mean, they became masters of losing in many different ways. Any game, they could decide to lose a game in all sorts of fashion. You want a boat race uh, that we get out to a three nothing lead and and then we we melt down uh, the last two periods. Check. Uh, you know, blown leads. Check. Um, getting blown out of the building. You know, as they did in North Dakota that Friday game, seven to one. Check. Lose a. Uh, Low-scoring affair where the game-winning goal is scored by a fourth-line grinder uh, in his first, you know, like a will-hammer type who who beats you. That was a classic thing the Twins used to do. Like they'd, they'd have the backup catcher for the Yankees get the game-winning hit. Classic Twins. And so they're really uh, it's never a good thing to be compared to the Minnesota Twins in the playoffs in the last twenty years. Uh, these Huskies have really sort of. Uh, Have given it the best effort at at uh, at mimicking uh, that team's non-success. And and so yeah, and and another one out of six weekend. Not I'm not referring to the points. It's another one out of six good periods on the weekend, which is what they did in North Dakota. First period on Friday uh, at at Denver was really the only good period they had, and and even getting out to a three nothing lead uh, didn't cushion the blow, the onslaught of goals that was to come. So uh yeah, it's not just one thing now. And that's that's the frustrating thing. It's not just one area of the game. And obviously losing Perrix and and, and isn't help, but you lose one game that you score five goals. Obviously offense really wasn't the issue there. Defense just brutal on Friday. And then Saturday you kinda clean that end of the game up and, and not only did he get shut out, but I I didn't really think they had very many quality chances at all. So, uh yeah, a frustrating weekend altogether and and like I said, it's the panic meter doesn't seem to be as high as some people that were reporting to you uh on the internet. <laughs> but for me, I mean it's uh I don't know. I, I think there's enough time left in the season that you can write the ship here. It's almost best that they're in this lull against very high pairwise teams because the yeah. losses, these losses aren't super effective. I mean, you drop down to 10 in pairwise now, um, but it, it and it, it's better that they're not doing this against CC. Let's say if they got later in the month. But it doesn't give me any confidence. I mean, these are, these are the type of teams that you're going to play in the NCAAs. And you're going to make a run in the NCHC tournament. You're going to be playing the high-end teams. And so far this year, three wins for the Huskies against teams that are currently in the top 15 in pairwise. Just three wins. Uh, They're undefeated against teams outside the top fifteen. So what they're doing, and this is kind of like the Twins as well, beating up on terrible teams, uh, and then showing a beatability, and sometimes looking bad in those games against the good competition. So uh, I think that they're again. I think there's time to right this ship, but this week is going to be a key week in that effort. And it was a pretty ugly weekend. In all facets of the game against Denver, but let's hope that that can maybe serve as a a motivation going forward or something because the team needs to pick it up and 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 show me something over the next you know over the rest of the regular season.
0: Yeah, and you you were talking about one period out of six periods, and even that period. Sure, we're up to a three nothing lead after one, and I was happy about the three nothing lead, but it's not like we were just running wild all over Denver, and we were far and away better that period. It was a very choppy period there were it was there there was a lot of kind of some extracurriculars going on there were still plenty of shots on on both sides. I thought Rennick played well, and the defense bailed him out um on a couple of other chances and Okabi's goal right at the beginning, uh, was just kind of a deflected, and he was just out in front, tapped it in. Uh, Cronella, heck of a play, just burned him around the outside edge, um, and that was you know two minutes later after the Okabi goal, and then uh, Fitzgerald on the power play, which again Okabi, heck of a play in front to to get that pass and see Fitzgerald, but even up three nothing, it was it was fairly even played and we just got the bounces i tweeted out that you know it was a good period but we capitalized and denver do, didn't um we're up three nothing but it's a little misleading and that was the last period that the defense played at all and that's where i'm frustrated is that i've been so high on the defense overall and it's you know how much is pervix doing out there if this is the defense that is actually in play. If perfect isn't on the ice, that's the question that I'm starting to really wonder about this team because Bushy looked lost. Uh, uh, Zemer didn't look that good. It was, um, Meyer didn't look good. like I couldn't name anybody who did incredibly well. Um, you know, they put um uh, up there in the first pairing on Friday, pushed him back on Saturday and it, you, you that's you know fine for development and whatnot, but it's it was it was tough to watch because i I've not seen Huskies defense play nearly you know as bad as they did uh the rest of the series, really, uh but especially uh on Friday. Now, obviously, we all can point to the turning point of that game was that five minute major on Walker, and you know there was a turning of the back. And by barons on that, and that's one of those that's like the refs are going to call it, whether or not you like the rule. The refs are going to call that as a five, and good teams are able to counter those types of mistakes or you know those types of happenings that are going to going to occur in a game. And we just just unraveled. Carter, Carter Savoy, you know, pops in two, and then. Yeah, it's the Bronzitzki takes another misconduct, misconduct penalty. I think that's his third or fourth of the season is 10 minute misconduct. So, you know, he's out and I don't think he even I think he was benched for the rest of the game. Even after the misconduct, I don't remember seeing him out there in the third period. And, you know, that's one of your premier goal scorers, too. And it's just we're beating ourselves at this point. You know, it was a little more tightly contested there in, in the in the second game, but we we didn't generate nearly enough offense to really even get a sniff at at what uh, what Corona is that even capable of. And I think Corona overall is a very pedestrian goalie who can come up big, but we didn't really even challenge him at you know much after that first period. So it's that's where everything is just incredibly frustrating to me
1: yeah a lot there to chew on uh i'll start i did not like the barons play uh i understand yeah it's it's a play that refs like to call because it looks bad but the guy clearly knows he's gonna get hit and he does the turnaround at the last minute it's a gamesmanship play there he wants he wants to draw a major penalty and uh he, it worked like a charm, but it, I don't like that play. The, I'm uh,
0: waiting for the ref. I'm waiting for
1: one ref to call an embellishment in that type of situation. I mean they won't. Just because, one. I mean, the checking from behind is, has this stigma about it that it's, you have to fall on the side of safety and, and call it, but the guy knows he's going to get hit. He's putting his arms up to prevent the play. I thought the bushy major in the second game was much more of a a risky play that was deserving of a five minute major,
0: even though he didn't really
1: hit him that hard. He just kind of pushed him into but he was in a defensive position. He did not, or defenseless position, he didn't see that hit coming. Where this one was something where he's looking behind him. He knows he's going to get hit. And very little that Walker can do at that at that point. He's going to go in and make contact with him. And there's very little that he can do to avoid it looking as bad as it was. And of course Barron's didn't miss a second of gameplay. He started the power play for Denver uh i so i didn't like that. He got two assists on it. Yeah. And uh we got two assists they, on the five on. And yeah, i get from the from the standpoint of it's an offensive zone opportunity and bad penalty it's an unneeded penalty that you don't need to make that physical play there but again, i am not sure exactly what i mean even starman it's like he's got to hold them there in that situation. It's just like, well, that's easier said than done there, bud. Um but uh so and yeah, you're right. That was really the turning point. Another turning point in that second period is when they get the, they get the fourth goal. Um, you know, Denver had been turning it on. Then they get the fourth goal. And I'm thinking, okay, all right, we, St. Cloud getting it back, uh, getting the momentum back a little bit. Uh, and then I remember thinking to myself, you got to get out of this period. About five minutes to go at that point. You got to get out of this period up four to two. And not only that, not it was four to three, but then Denver scores the late one to make it four to four. At that point, I texted a buddy, they're going to lose by three goals. I thought it was going to be seven to four. Once they got the seventh goal and turn out to be eight to five, but I was right about that. You just, you just kind of figured that the, the tide had turned and Denver is going to turn it on. And, and that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, and as far as the defense goes, I definitely agree. This was a, a real rough showing um, all around. And I'm not, yeah, we've been raving about the defense and the depth of the defense. I almost th- thought that, I think we both agreed that Perbix was going to be the bigger loss out of the two. And I still agree mm-hmm. with that, but we also we said, Hey, you know, Zemer, what you like. And, um, you know, these guys are, are getting benched and they're decent enough players. Jaycox. Well, Jaycox showed us why he's been benched throughout most of the season. He did not look good. Um, uh, pert is frustrating to me. Uh, he's, he got burned several times. He's either got a slow first step and he gets burned a lot, or I also see that he does this play where he tries to, he tries to do the little intercept of the pass, like a cross-ice pass, breakout pass, which I think is a play that works in high school and juniors. Doesn't work so well at the, uh, in the NCHC. And so there was a lot of odd man opportunities that were created off of uh, bad instincts from Pert. Part of it, yeah, he's, he's 18. He's, gonna you know, grow into it takes him a little bit of a learning curve i thought that he had you know he that first month or so he looked kind of rough i I thought that he had been improving this was i thought a step back for him you're right that meyer did not look good i mean fell down at the blue line i think setting up the fifth goal the the go ahead goal for for denver on friday yeah he he looked shaky all weekend uh yeah, Bushy was kind of out of control, taking a bunch of penalties. Trayball, I think he only played on Saturday. I'm not even, I don't remember hearing his name on Friday. But the defense was, I mean, part of this is Denver is very good. And I, I think we don't, we shouldn't lose the point of, I think this was, I thought, clearly the best team that St. Claude has played this year, which is saying something because, you know, yeah. uh, Mankato and, and, uh, you know, the Gophers, North Dakota, we we played, you know, Western Michigan, we played some good teams. Denver, I thought was a that better than all of them. Denver's the most dynamic team. Yes. And they were very fast. They were so fast on Friday. Uh, and so yeah. Huskies getting burned. Part of that is attributed to the fact that Denver is a very, very good team and a very offensive uh, minded team. And, and maybe that first period sort of, they were lolligating a little bit at the beginning and, took them a period to to sort of step it up and but they were they were running on, on full cylinders after that first period um on Friday and it was very tough for the Huskies to to just I mean even puck control. I mean fifteen shots or so I think in the first period for the Huskies on Friday. I mean they got I think nine yep. shots the rest of the way that game and barely got twenty shots on Saturday. I mean the the offensive push was just not there, and you think that part of that is, you know, missing Henches hurt, uh, especially on Saturday, obviously the shutout. So it seems like what they were doing with the uh, Walker Brodzinski pairing, they were trying to put Chase Brand with them. Didn't think that worked very well, um, and so struggling to find some cohesion with uh, with the lines. Um, missing Hentges, uh, yeah, obviously he's not, not good, but you, you knew this coming into the weekend and yeah, I know you gotta try, you, you gotta do with what you, you know, work with what you have and hopefully they'll be able to find some pairing to click, uh, with these lines. Um, but very frustrating all, all around. I, and it's not going to get any easier. I mean, it might just from the standpoint, like I said, Denver is the best team that they've seen, and but Western Michigan is is a damn good team. Duluth, obviously, and you got these three teams or these three games with those two teams this week. Uh, it's the, the the challenge is is still going to be there, and you're still playing, obviously, without uh, Perbix and Hentges for the next few weeks, so. We'll be seeing a lot, like I said, uh, for the coming week, we're going to see a lot about this team. I'm, I'm going to know that, that barometer of, of how I'm feeling about the Huskies is, is depending on, I, I think they got to take two out of three uh, against uh, Duluth and, and Western this week. Um, I think that'll settle you back into that 6-7 range in pairwise uh, and might do the job of kind of cementing a berth um, Schedule lightens up a little bit with, with Omaha and CC after that. Uh, so we'll see a lot about this team. If they can pull off that two out of three, uh, I think that that will at least convince me that they are going to make the tournament. Coming off this weekend, though, and seeing how they've been playing against the top end talent, I don't, at this point, not seeing a frozen four run from this team out of them. Um, I, I also think, too, getting back to the defense. It might have been that the defense we th- we maybe thought the defense was a little bit better than it was early in the season because Renek was on his little run. I think Renek's, uh shown a bit of humanity <laughs> over the last few weekends. I don't think he was he's, kind, he's good. kind of come back down to earth. Yeah. There. Yeah. And so I think he might've been patching uh, some holes of the defense early in the season when he was flying high. And now that he is, you know, back to more his normal self uh now the defensive holes uh become a little bit more glaring and so yeah i wasn't blown away by by renick this weekend either so in, in all of those aspects offense defense goaltending uh, special teams i mean the, the power play just with that one goal on friday night rest of the weekend we're shut out against a bad denver uh, power play i mean they were like 77 percent something like that 40 41st or something uh, nationwide in their penalty kill so weren't able to take advantage of that uh weren't able to stop denver's power play uh from a, a bad you know taking bad penalty standpoint huskies looked you know stupid in that in that regard so uh not not good bob you know
0: last year you had the one game against Colorado College in the pod, where you know it was gr- granted it was a little bit early on in the season, but you know Colorado College goes up three nothing fairly early into the third period or into the first period, and the huskies were able to right the ship, come back um score two in the third one with an extra attacker and then end up winning in overtime and that you know that type of drive and determination to come back in a game like that is just something i haven't seen this year and it's anytime that we've been punched in the mouth it's been like the huskies are just charlie brown and just like oh looks like it's not going our way again and it's just so disheartening to see you know i i thought we were going to get that little punch back like you said on friday when fitzgerald ended up scoring at the time i thought was stopping the bleeding but they were they gave up another goal 40 seconds later or something like that so it's it, it it feels like this team just expected to walk into the NCAA tournament or walk into buildings and just be like, We were in the natty title last year. You know, we were we were in that championship game. Like, why do you think you can skate with us? And they're learning very quickly against the top teams in the N- NCHC, which I think were one six and one against them against everybody above us. Granted, we've got four against Duluth coming up. It's, you know, we got to actually play these games, and there's been no fire. There's been no, you know, like, greasy goals, or, you know, we're not getting into the prime scoring areas. It's just bizarre just to kind of take this attitude, and not only that, you can see us getting frustrated out there. Brodzinski again, I'm going back to him just getting another misconduct it's it, it's so disheartening to watch and and I just I, I'm, I'm talking myself into more of a panic I guess as 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 I keep going um what were your thoughts here, here,hyak's debut as the huskies coach uh, over the weekend um I've got my thoughts and opinion and but I want to kind of get yours first what do you think? I mean i
1: uh, no I mean the, the the one thing I would have disagreed with is that I thought his use of the challenge on Friday was stupid. Um, the, the, the i didn't I guess I didn't realize this was something that coaches could challenge on, but the there was a two minute penalty on Denver that he challenged them to review it to see if it was a major. Now, first of all. I'm surprised that it took a challenge to do that because the refs seem hellbent on reviewing every damn play. <laughs> I think they went oh, to, seriously, atrocious. I think they went three reviews in the first period alone. One of them was for that, they, they checked, I think it was Spellacy into the, into the box, into the uh, bench area. I, I'm not sure what they were looking for there. So the fact that they weren't going to review this and it had to take a coach's challenge for them to do that. Was weird enough, but then I'm the more I'm looking at it, it's like, well, why you, you can't blow your challenge on a, a subjective call like that? You, you need to use your challenge because that, that burns your time out if you lose it, which happened, and it also happened in Denver on Saturday. They did the same thing where they challenged a, uh, or that could have been Friday as well. Sometime during the weekend, Denver did the same thing where they tried to challenge a two minute major into a five, or maybe it was a five or nothing. Uh, yeah, it situation. was
0: so so how the rule is is that at, I believe at any time you can challenge for a 5 minute major. Um in Shayak's case he it was already going to be a 2 minute penalty for the interference on Brand. And Shayak wanted them to go back and check and review for it to be a 5 minute major. Instead of the two. And again, that's costing a timeout to, to do that. If, if, if you lose. So I don't know what he saw or what he thought he saw that it was going to be that he thought it was supposed to be a five minute major. Cause it was head contact. And that's where the, it, it wasn't nearly as subjective. Cause he thought, Oh, that was contact to the head during that interference. So that
1: should have been five minutes. And the ref, The ref didn't see it that way. I I think you need to save those challenges on something like a was this a goal or not? Did this the puck cross the goal line? Something like that I think is what you need to challenge. And this this case you're kind of dealing with the refs, you know their pride. Like oh I've got to change my call I I got it wrong here. You're you're changing you're asking them to change judgment call to another judgment call. It's tough for them to do that. Was it that was that the play that they reviewed? Because they also reviewed a an elbow on Zemer later in the game. I can't remember if that was the challenge play or if they just looked at that one again, because again, there was about four or five times that they decided to review plays. The one, the, the one that the elbow to the head of Zemer, I I don't know what, why is that? Why that wasn't a major. I mean, it was clear head contact. Zemer had to leave the ice for a while. Um, clearly injured. Unlike Barron's. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I didn't understand. I don't know what that, was again the, the officiating i know it's maybe not the highest of class to to bitch and moan about officiating but by god i mean it, it just is it's it seems to be every weekend and i hate to uh, tangent but they did this in le- the, the north Dakota game as well as so the announcers all to, all just are back slapping about how great the refs are gina binda was retiring at the end of the year and this is the last game in north dakota so they had to say how great of a referee he was he's a terrible ref. Sullivan and whoever the other clown was this weekend are terrible refs, and they have been. I I understand when you're at the uh, the Frozen Five or Final Four, or whatever they call it now, that you have the you, know, you run up the bar tab with all the uh, the league officials, and you, you think that you're all buddy buddy, but you don't have to lie to the people, uh, to the to the viewers that are seeing a different uh, uh, the, the. And I, I get it too. These aren't full time refs; they're weekend warriors. You know, but we don't need to we don't need to ignore incompetence or, you know, support it, backslap it. You know, it's just it's it's bad. Again, I, I, I rant over. I don't think that that was the reason that the Huskies played so poorly this weekend. It's just frustrating no, that the, lo- the bar of quality when it comes to officiating is so low and it's just inconsistency is the consistency of, of the league's officials and very frustrating for a league that always likes to puff his chest out about how great it is. The refereeing is just terrible. I don't know other yeah, ECAC and hockey East, all the other leagues fans say the same thing about their conferences, refs, but it's just, it's, it's very frustrating.
0: Yeah. In regard to the Zimmer, if, if, if the refs think that it's worth reviewing, they'll do it. In the case of the challenge, it was the interference. And then it was like, you're not going to review it because of the contact of the head. I'm going to make you review it. It was kind of Shyak what he was saying in that instance. I just, so at that yeah. time, it was like, okay, well, if you're making me go into it, then you're risking a timeout is kind of how the rule is. Yeah, going. I
1: just don't, I don't get, you know, we're going to review everything except that play, and then we're going to burn your timeout because of it. I, I still think if I was Shyak, I would not have risked losing the timeout for that. The other one was on Saturday, didn't really see it. F- in real time, but then I think they just went and reviewed it on their own was not a challenge situation, but the guy did slew foot. The guy from behind took his, took his leg out. Uh, I can't remember who the, the who the player for the Huskies was Don uh, Donahue perhaps. Um, but yeah, the replay showed the guy clearly did. He picked his the Denver guy, picked his leg up, you know, hooked his leg with the uh, St. Cloud skate and made him fall on his ass. And it's just like, yeah, so, and of course, no penalty there because you can only call a major or nothing. So it wasn't big enough for a major, but, uh, I, that was surprising to me that Denver's chippiness all weekend, uh, very physical team and not what I expected. I expected them and they were this as well to be the more the high flying offense offensive machine, not so much the we're going to get into extracurriculars and and we're going to throw the body around as much as they did. I mean, give them some credit because that makes you a well-rounded team, but I thought they got away with some stuff too. So yeah, it it was, uh, I I did not see that sort of physicality um, coming from Denver.
0: Yeah. I'll get you a team that can do both, I guess. (laughs) Um, uh, Denver right now, just, I mean, they're, kind of on another level i just look at this it's like how did this team have any trouble against miami (laughs) it just blows my mind hockey's
1: weird sometimes it is yeah it is and they got duluth this weekend uh at denver as well and duluth's the only team to beat them since october i think i mean they're on like a 15 one and one run or 16 one and one something like that insane run that they're on right now um we'll see if if Duluth can uh can take another couple points from them uh, like they did in Duluth uh in December maybe that's a transition to talking about the week ahead for the Huskies because they got Duluth on the schedule as well
0: yeah Duluth uh six o'clock Tuesday night game so it's uh, to answer Dan Jacobson uh, on Twitter with one of our questions. Uh, unfortunately, I will not be going to the game just because that runs up to bedtime with the twins and whatnot. so that's always always tough with those six
1: o'clock games.: um, Well, and weekday weekday me. games, which I mean are pretty much non-existent very, very rare. They got the flash
0: sale going on, so 10 dollar tickets if you want to go, so it's: <laughs> It's a good idea, yeah, I, I would assume. Ago.
1: I would assume it's going to be a pretty light crowd, uh, or at least lighter than it normally is. Yeah. Uh, other than, I mean, you know, looking at
0: St. Cloud winless in their last four, um, you know, all against top tier teams, but, you, you know, some of these you're going to have to win. You know, running the hypothetical pairwise, uh, a split against Denver would have kept us up at five. Um, the fact that we got swept dropped us down to 10. So that's. You know, flipping that flipped a lot of comparisons um getting uh getting swept there. So it's you know, championship teams, you know, there have been some that have gone on a streak like this as well. So this isn't to say that the season's over or you know, everybody's starting to jump off bridges and whatnot. But there's just a lot of things not going right for the Huskies. And a lot of things actually I think are fixable with the right mindset. But it just, it, it looks like everyone's playing like they're frustrated right now. Coming up against Duluth. And, you know, they just uh, split against uh, West, Western Michigan. And it's, you know, finally, finally, uh, taking this team on and I know we've talked about, uh, Duluth, um, you know, in a previous podcast when we thought we were going to face them, but what, what are you kind of looking forward to? We're missing, uh, and, uh, henches for the Olympics. They're missing Noah Cates, which is a big part of their offense as well. What are you kind of looking for the forward
1: for the Huskies here, uh, coming into this game? I would say look at goaltending as a, as a possible key. I'm wondering, and, and again, I've I've watched a fair amount of Duluth, but but uh, but not like a full games worth. You know, I'm just kind of keeping an eye on scores during and, and, and you know how, having their games on my iPad as kind of the secondary stream. So I can't say that I've been watching them intently, but I would say Fante's maybe the best goalie in the conference. I, I think I might if I was to vote, I'd probably give him the nod. And as we've mentioned about Renak, you know, he's capable of going on a run and carrying the team. We saw that earlier in the year, and we saw that last year in the Frozen, well, in the NCAA tournament, the regional in particular, um, has been struggling of late. And so, wondering if goaltending is going to be the issue or is going to be maybe the deciding factor.
0: Did I talk about Rennick's rebound control or not? I can't
1: remember. I don't think so. It the- wasn't, wasn't very good
0: yeah and and that's where we're talking about how on Friday's game against Denver, it was you know you know Denver still had their chances, but we were able to really keep the puck out of the net by you know defense swiping it away, but Rennick was still giving up some good rebounds, and that continued you know the the following five periods, and that those are rebounds that were not that he wasn't giving up earlier in the season. And I wonder if that has something to do with how Rennick is playing or how shooters are shooting at him. Like if the scouting report is out on him that he's got hard pillows and you, you know, a good, a good shot down low is going to kick it out to a to soft ice.
1: Yeah. It was, that, it was that first goal on Saturday that was the, the killer. And they I think he was their player of the game or something, the Denver broadcast and King. Again, fourth line guy, first ever co- collegiate goal. Uh, and they said one goal and three shots. Well, that was all on one play because he took a shot, save, rebound right right next to his, right on his stick. Shot, save, rebound right to his stick. Shot, goal. Three shots on one play. And he finally taps it in, gets it by Renak. Uh, and... Yeah, I mean, on Friday, it was the guys that is the usual suspects for Denver that were killing you because Savoy got a hat trick. Brink had four points. Gutman was all over the score sheet. Uh, the, these, kind, these are the guys that racked up the points. Stapley. These are the guys that racked up the points on, on Friday night and then Saturday to be beaten by a guy that fourth line. Uh, in just in a play that was another bad breakout of the zone. That's kind of how the whole play developed. And then and then Renek kind of gave a gave the guy three chances to to knock it in. So he's uh, he's looked better. Let's put it that way, Renek. And and Fanti's been very good this year. And so that might come down to that. I, I assume these are going to be one goal games. T- typically are with with Duluth. So very well could come down to a save or two as far as the, uh, the difference in the game. Yeah, I like the, that Cates and Hentges kind of cancels each other out maybe. So it might be the fact that St. Cloud's missing their best defenseman and just how poorly their defense played last week um, might be a bigger edge. The edge might there go to, to, to Duluth. I still don't like Duluth scoring depth. I mean, they've never really been a team that is known to score a bunch of goals, even when they're winning, winning uh, national titles. Um, But, you know, as far as it's going to be two to one, three to two type game, uh, you're just kind of going to look for, you got to minimize St. Cloud. They got to minimize turnovers, got to minimize mistakes in their own offensive zone. Just, you know, the simple things like breaking out of their zone they did not show a a real competency in that in Denver. And so, yeah, limiting your mistakes is going to be key. Just don't beat yourself. Um, And they, they they beat themselves a lot of times in Denver. So getting back to your game, maybe getting back to home ice is going to help you and obviously play better there and more comfortable there. Whether it's the fat ice or not, I don't know, but, uh and getting back to you know the special teams domination you really took a step back in that direction in denver obviously you're not going to be able to keep that power play at 38 percent or whatever it is but even just on especially on saturday i didn't really think that they had many opportunities on the on the penalty or on the power play uh, they weren't really generating the chances that they they generally do so yeah just pick yourself off the mat off the mat here and uh and maybe the kind of the lack of break here will will do them good. As far as you just you can't really linger on the Denver result too much. You got to get right back at it two days later on you know on Tuesday, and and maybe that can make you clear out your mind a little bit and and get back to the task at hand. So I, I'm I'm hoping that they can win that game on Tuesday, and uh, and maybe that'll be a nice springboard. Into the weekend against uh, Western Michigan.
0: Yeah, it's you know looking at the special teams battle. You know, Saint Cloud State obviously their power plays incredibly well. Every year it feels like Minnesota Duluth penalty kill is incredibly well, uh, but you know the Bulldogs power play percentage right now is hovering at about fifteen percent. So nothing to write home about at all, and so. You You gotta win this battle, um okay, obviously, you don't have to, but you know that's that's where if if they get a power play goal or whatnot it's ah, that that that's gonna be just really disheartening, and it's hopefully you know everything can kinda get right, and i I think it still will throughout the season, but man, i feel like I feel like you gotta win with the next three yeah. and i, I think it. this is i think this is the one here that is more i don't want to say more plausible but it's it's it, it's the one i think you've got the best chance of of winning versus sweeping western michigan which of course like stats wise of course you do have a better chance i don't know what i'm trying to say no. i'm trying to say that this is the game here that um, I I think can really propel
1: you and like you said springboard to to going on, on a nice little run. Yeah, you gotta you know rest in peace. You gotta meatloaf it this week. A two out of three ain't bad. That's what he said. So, and I do think I agree that you win the Duluth game and then you split against Western. I think it's the most likely result. Uh, and yeah, home ice. You're six points behind uh, Duluth and you got two games in hand. So. Basically you gotta win those two games in St. Cloud on those Tuesday games and you're even with them. Right now, we should also mention tied with Omaha for fifth. Now again, you have the two games in hand. But you gotta do something with those two games in hand if you wanna make any make that count. So yeah, right now tied for fifth, which is also tied for sixth. And uh by my math. And so you don't wanna get the uh this is a turning point of the season. I mean, this is you're either right in the ship or you're sinking continuing to sink so i hope that they uh god i was gonna say grab an oar but that's that, <laughs> oh, that's that clown that, i was not gonna say yeah it's just it's
0: bad but uh yeah snake oil salesman right y- there. you
1: gotta put the bunghole in the uh, keg and uh, stop <laughs> it from 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 taking any more water on here uh and, there, there and if a anybody head- gets that reference it's I, I just, Saint I want, I wanted a, uh, <laughs> I wanted a reason to say bunghole. Um, so uh, bunghole, we got a bunghole um, this weekend.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's St. Cloud's ability at home this season, uh, versus them being not very good on the road as, you know, an instance of, you know, especially the last two series, but it's, you know, you, you hit it on the head with, you know, we're tied for fifth right now with Omaha and the teams above us right now is Minnesota Duluth and fourth and a Western Michigan at third. And if we don't take two out of three, at least I, 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 it's going to, I, I don't want to say it's impossible to get home ice, but at, at that point, it, it it's it's going to be an incredibly tough feat to do and and that's where you know getting that home ice in the playoffs is just such a big advantage so far or it has been this season and it'll continue on to the playoffs as well because i just i don't know us going up to to duluth or going up to michigan or going up to north dakota in you know whoever is we're going to face you know on on the road it's it doesn't look likely that the St. Cloud State's gonna gonna do very well so it's you know if we're gonna really contend for home ice and not be the odd man out these are the two you know these next three games are you know might even decide it
1: yeah and I think the Duluth like I said last week you got to take three out of four against Duluth if you want a shot because you're down by six right now, and you have the two games in hand, which are against Duluth. But by taking nine out of 12 points, there's the six points that you need to make up against Duluth. So that's, at, that's to begin. Then you got to sweep Omaha. You have to sweep CC. And you yeah. probably got to take one of the two against Western. And so you're really, and you split that last series in, in Duluth, which is you're going eight and two over the last ten games. Eight and two, I think, gets you into the tournament for sure. Doesn't even matter if you get home ice at that point. Seven and three probably does the trick as well. Um anything less than that, you're talking bubble situation and you're pretty much talking you're going to be on the road in the first round. Which again, if you're playing a team like Western, let's say, who's let's say Western is still at three or four in the pairwise, it's not going to completely bust you if you Lose that series against Western, you still might be in, in good shape to in the pairwise. But if you're going up to Dakota or something, uh, a team that's not as high in the pairwise, then that first round series might be the difference between not only making it to to Minneapolis or to St. Paul, I guess now, but also to qualify for the NCAAs. So, uh, like I said, seven and three, eight and two, getting that at the uh towards yet you know going on the rest the rest of the regular season here that should be the goal um and but you can't make it you can't look out too far you just got to look at what's ahead of you, you know, look at what Duluth is and, th- and this week you got to meatloaf it let's just take care of this week first and then move on to the next week after that i think meatloaf set us saying a song like that too right but um you should have at least but but you know life's a lemon. And, and, and I want my money back if they don't, uh, if they don't meet loaf at this weekend, <laughs> you know,
0: we talk about how we have to sweep Omaha, we have to sweep CC, but you know, just of note, Omaha has been a little bit sneaky this year. And they've been able to kind of snake bite some teams where, you know, they came back, rallied up against North Dakota to win in overtime. Uh, They did split earlier also against Minnesota Duluth. They split up at Western Michigan earlier this season. So, you know, when we say, you know, yeah, we do have to sweep Omaha, but, you know, that's not nearly uh, a given as much as, um, you know, You know, we're lumping kind of Omaha and CC, but there's a clear tier difference between the two.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's an easy feed. It's just the hole that you've dug so far means you just, you need to, you need to take care of Omaha. Uh, And that's, yeah, I'm not saying that that's a pushover. CC is not a pushover either. I mean, they took uh, St. Cloud to overtime, one of those games on the Springs earlier this year. So that's not even a easy sweep at all. So yeah, I'm just at this point in the season. It's like, yeah, the schedule's so tough, and and the hole that they've dug as far as conference points goes. That's just the way that that's 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 what you need to do in order to get home ice, and 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 probably at that at the same time secure your berth in the NCAA's. Yeah, they could not do that. Uh, how they're playing, it's maybe more likely that they won't do that, but. I guess I'll be the optimist and say that they can, again, we're just taking it this week at a time. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves as far as Omaha or CC. Those are, those are games in the future. We'll talk about that when they get there, but sure. Let's meet love sure. it this week it up- and, and then take care <laughs> of the next one. So Western Michigan
0: coming off um, sweeps then, um, you know, at uh, Colorado college or the one eight to two and five to four. It's, you know, what a, what a turnaround really for this team. And it's not like they were bad last
1: year by any means, but they were pretty bad last year. I mean, you remember yeah, in the, in they the pod, were... they, they gave up 10 to Omaha. They they were down like the third string goalie um, at some point, but, but they were not very good. They played very well against St. Cloud. You might forget that because they seem to always play well against St. Cloud at least the last couple of years, but yeah, that, that's probably, th- they were a pretty, they were pretty bad last year. Yeah. I mean, St. Cloud in general has,
0: what, only won two of the last... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Two of the last ten meetings against Western. So, it's... Maybe that's why I'm thinking that they weren't that bad. Um, But it's, you know... The team that they've been able to kind of construct and really blossom under Fershweiler, which just kind of came out of nowhere, How 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 much difference you know those two coaches going from you know Andy Murray to Firstweiler has been just absolutely remarkable um you know you've really Ethan Frank has 19 goals i think on the season so he's going to be crossing 20 goals here very soon uh Ron, Ronnie Adderd you know the defenseman has been just a beast there on the, on on the blue line for Western so this is the team where we're gonna to have to split this team, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a battle, and it I don't know I just questioned the Huskies' mindset.
1: Yeah, I think um, they're they're similar. They came into this season, I think, similar to the Huskies in that they they brought back a lot of guys, and they're fairly old team. I mean, they got that Passolt, who he's like Fitzgerald. I mean, he's gonna be twenty six in a couple of months, like. They got some golden oldies uh, on the team. And I do think that that has been key as far as, you know, I, you know, Murray was fairly successful there in his run, but I was got the, uh, con, you know, he's kind of a hard ass, you know, red ass. And I think Firstweiler is a little bit more of a, you know, players coach kind of lets them, lets them do their thing. And so I think, uh, I think he's been a big part of, of, their success this year, also having Bussy, who hasn't, I mean, he's been good, but he hasn't been, you know, he's not in the Richter conversation or anything. But having him healthy for the entire year has been key for them as well. As I mentioned last year, they were ducking into their third string uh, for much of that year, and Bussy was hurt, I believe, in a game in, against St. Cloud in the pod, and he, was, he basically didn't play all of last, any of last year. So having some stability in, in net has been also uh, important for them. Yeah, and they're generally a bigger team than St. Cloud is, a heavier team than St. Cloud is. Uh, they play a physical game that St. Cloud teams in, in years past and, and this year as well have not matched up very favorably against. St. Cloud's a team that wants to spread things out and use their speed, and I think that's it's it's an advantage to them to play on the bigger sheet against a team like like Western. You can sort of outskate them and tire them out over the course of a weekend. But and and it also seems that Western is playing their better game on Friday, and then that Saturday game is maybe they're kind of running out of gas on Saturday. Be interesting this week because the Huskies play an extra game on on Tuesday. I'm interested how much gas is going to be in their tank come Saturday night, uh, if that's going to play any effect um, on the weekend. But I think the change of venue here, playing in Saint Cloud rather than in uh, Kalamazoo, will. Will uh, give the Huskies an, advent, an advantage. I think they can at least squeeze a game out of them. It's not going to be easy. Um, this isn't the yeah. Western teams of the past where the Huskies, you know, you know, put a bunch of goals on them. I think it's gonna it's gonna be again another low scoring affair. Uh, I, I would imagine in both games um, or a lowish scoring affair. I don't know. I mean, Western can score the goal, score goals, like you said that Frank's having a great year. Uh, and, and they've got they've got some uh, some snipers, so may, maybe there could be a five to four type game in there as well. Um, but maybe come that Saturday night, uh, we we see a, a a more a more low scoring affair. But I, I I like I like the I like thinking that Saint Cloud's going to be able to take a game out of Western. It'd be a big a big uh, win for them or two. I mean, if they can sweep them, even better. But because they're so high in the pairwise that's going to offset, you know, the uh, help offset the bad weekend you had in Denver and then also North Dakota as well. It's you're going to gain back some of the the you know, pairwise positioning that you lost over the last few weeks. So, maybe I'm the optimist here. I'm thinking they can they can pull off a two out a two out of 3 type deal this this week. If they don't, you know, that panic meter is up to 8 or 9 and start and the engine's starting to overheat um so. yeah if
0: if that's the case then we're going back uh we're going back uh craig Dahl style uh where swoon's going to be in season so might match uh that o three o four season where there was just that epic collapse um you know as far as a lot of the questions here that we got you know a lot of you know <laughs> Uh, Husky Twitter is a little on edge right now. So can the season be saved? Um, you know, what's going on? Is this the curse of Dave Shyack as the head <laughs> coach? You know, um, one thing that I did want to kind of bring up um, uh, was a question where they re- referenced actually an early pod that we did where uh talked about, you know, kind of one of the concerns that I raised is that everybody else you know, using the transfer portal and able to get somebody and make themselves better where Brett Larson kind of stood on the sidelines and was like, hey, we went to the national title, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, make too many drastic changes. And, you know, does that play into how the Huskies are struggling right now? And I thought that was a really good question. Um, Joe, just as a reminder, here is the clip. You know, my main concern and my main worry, we weren't in the position to enjoy college hockey free agency, which is what I'm dubbing this free transfer window, this free transfer year people got, that they could kind of shuffle around and other teams could really address and go after players that enter the transfer portal. And we didn't have that opportunity. So I worry... My main concern is that you know we are always at a level that's you know, an eight, eight and a half, out of ten, um, you know, and maybe some of these teams that were operating, um, you know, at an eight, eight and a half, maybe a seven, finally got that one piece to push them up above to a nine, um, and and we kind of find ourselves maybe taking a little bit of a step back this year. That that's a little bit of my concern, and I just worry that some teams in the nchc just got a little bit better while we stayed stagnant and again that's not bad because of where we ended up um but it's it was it was just kind of an interesting conundrum that Brett Larson I thought was in so you know first off thank you uh for listening and <laughs> listening to that podcast was also incredibly like eye-opening to me is like, I am getting better as an editor because <laughs> yes. wow, that was a little bit rough to listen to. Uh But I did edit it and kind of cut it down a little bit, uh, you know, where my point was kind of coming across that. Yeah. It was, it was just kind of raising, you know, everybody else kind of raised above maybe a little bit to go past us. And, you know, what really stuck out to me is also, you know, in that, um you know, Listening to that, which is about the 25 minute mark. If you want to go back um, on the second podcast where if you want to listen to the whole thing, but I did specifically mention Connor Ford uh, went to North Dakota and Cameron Wright went to Denver and both of them factored up immensely important. I thought over the last two series, again, I still think Brett did the right thing by not doing it, but it does creep into my mind that, You know we're missing that extra X factor here, and the fact that we don't have really somebody to kind of write the ship right now, or we have nobody showed up yet, is has been a little bit concerning to me.
1: Yeah. Side note: the uh, both Ford and Wright, as you had mentioned, were from Bowling Green, who lost, I think, six or seven guys to the portal. Uh, They have a couple of guys to BC including their goalie from last year, who's, they're not doing great five, at C but five guys, five guys were over a hundred point scores yeah, for Bowling Green. Imagine if, if Bowling Green, who's okay. They're middle, you know, middle of the pairwise. Imagine if they would have had those guys there this, this year. I, 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 my thoughts on the transfer portal are colored. I think by the fact that I'm not a fan of it. I, it just, it's too free agency in college sports its getting away from the whole idea of college and I, it's something about it just strikes me as as uh, not really what the spirit of college athletics is but and it's not that I mean Larson didn't completely avoid it he brought in Spolese from Robert Morris um, I don't think so. and there was
0: much rejoicing
1: and there was <laughs> much rejoicing yeah I, I mean, there's, def- there, there's definitely room. There would have been room for some one of these guys. Let's put it this way. Because that fourth line, I think, as we've seen, you know, they had a the nice little October run, you know, when uh, Salkvist had a couple of game-winning goals uh, early yeah. in the season. Of the fourth line guys, I think Solquist is the one that seems to be somewhat of a keeper. Spolacy hasn't done much for me. Molinar hasn't done much for me. Uh, Brand hasn't done much for me, uh, and even you know, the shuffling guys like Rocco got some ice time on Saturday. None of these guys have really stu- stuck out as you know necessarily deserving more ice time, and so and that fourth line is sort of their their weak link. I, I think uh, I think their their other three lines are all good to very good when they're on. Uh, that fourth line is a, a bit of a weakness and. I mean, even if you don't need even need to put points up on the board necessarily, but if a guy like Spalazzi can win draws, I mean, again, they got yeah another that's, another that's weekend the thing where they got where murdered, we
0: miss will hammer the most yeah, murdered you know, in faceoffs is.
1: again. At least give me something like that where you're winning draws or you, you play a very good defensive game. Maybe you're not putting points on the board, but you're 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 playing against uh, other teams, uh, you know, top scoring lines and and keeping them at bay. Just it doesn't seem to be any anything special right now that 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 fourth line can do so they certainly would have room on the roster for one of those guys um and i mean there's a it's not anything you can do about it now it's going forward are you going to be more active in the uh in the transfer portal going forward it's certainly possible um and it certainly would have helped and you wouldn't you were not uh, in over the summer you didn't have any idea that you're going to be losing Perbix and, and Henches for the Olympics. Cause you didn't think that college players are going to yeah. be at the Olympics this year. You didn't realize, and not to say that the play, the, you know, an extra guy wouldn't have been key for the rest of the year, but especially now it's all, everything is, is uh, doubly all the, all the weaknesses are especially glaring because you're missing those two guys. So there's no way that you would have been able to, to foresee that in the summertime. But yeah, I mean, hopefully, again, it's not something that I'm thinking like we should be more active on doing that because I still think it's kind of a skeezy system that's in place. But if everyone else is going to do it, you got to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, And and it's not like I said, it's not like he he wasn't. I mean, not only was it uh, Spalacey this year, but he he brought in that Cockrell and uh, and Donahue, who's still on the team, brought those guys in as transfers uh, last year. So. It's not like he's been avoiding it, uh, but the guys that we've just mentioned, I would say D- Donahue is the biggest contributor of that group, and I'm, I'm really not a fan of him, but he at least plays every game. The others are, were role guys, you know, yeah. fourth-line guys that aren't really going to make the, the difference, let's say. Whereas, yeah, that right is, uh, is leading goal-scoring. Not points, but just goal scoring for Denver. He's their leading scorer right now, and as we mentioned last week, that Ford—you know—where would North Dakota be without him? Because they don't have a ton of scoring depth uh, either. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's certainly it's looking worse. The fact that they weren't able to snare one of those type of guys uh, right now. Yeah, my 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 fear that
0: you know those guys going to those other teams and them propelling above the heist huskies has proved to be true um and that sucks (laughs) basically so um it it's you know obviously we can look back now and say i told you so and should have and i probably will but at the same time you know i i i didn't blame larson i still don't blame him but it's we 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 got to find out how to get this fixed and quick so well, that about does her uh, for, the, for this uh, episode of the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Oh, that's just a YouTube thing. Uh, subscribe to the mm. pod. Um, feel yeah, free to reach that. out to us. Uh, so, uh, thank you so much. And uh, until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo.